Welcome back, everyone. This is episode 42.2, the metric marathon of the Seconds Flat Running podcast. It's great to be with you, Travis, here alongside Benjamin Benji. Hey, man. How are you, bud? I am doing wonderful. Got that extra hour of sleep last night. Falling back. Feeling like a rested young pup. So we're at 42.2, and we have a lot of marathon talk today. Yes. Doing something a little bit different. We are recording live during the New York City Marathon. Right now, the women are closing in on the 20-mile mark. The men have gone through halfway, so we're going to throw some updates at you as this happens and get you quick takes on the results. Hopefully, if something really exciting happens here, we get a little Ben Sessions live call down the stretch. In the ladies' race, it is a pack of three that is broken away at 20 miles, led by the great Mary Catani. And in the men's race... Got Brett Robinson, the Aussie, with the lead right now, but there is a pack just marauding behind him about 10 seconds back that includes half-marathon world record holder Jeffrey Camor, uh, maybe an, uh, one of the race favorites, Shura Katata, American and friend of the show, Jared Ward. So a lot of guys lurking right now in the men's action. And we can't forget the current world champion, Lalisa DeCisa. Uh, so, Lalisa DeCisa, I believe, has dropped. I, I just got in here. So. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, he was in the lead pack through 10K, and then there was some confusion on the coverage as to whether he had dropped out or just fallen back in the race. Man. But from the leaderboard live splits I've watched, I'm, I'm guessing he stepped off, would okay. make the most sense, based on what he just put his body through at Doha a few weeks ago. But he's one of our favorites and a huge fan favorite in New York as well. So disappointing to see he's yeah. not in the race now. The core of the episode today comes from a listener question. We're really excited to dive into this a great topic about how do I respond to a disappointing race? We have all been there. And Ben and I, I know, can speak from experience where you cross the line and think to yourself, okay, what's next? What do I do? How do I bounce back? So we're going to give you some advice from our experience and from the athletes that we have worked with. Before we do that, Benjamin, you decided to run a marathon. Yes. I completely blame Gerald Mock. <laughs> I should not have run a marathon. Hashtag secret bunker. I'm super grateful I did, and I've been running very consistently since. Since, yeah. So. Inconsistently before. Extremely. That was my sixth run in five weeks. But you made it a good one. So for the backstory here, the local marathon, the Sphinx Run Fest in Greenville, up the Swamp Rabbit Trail to Furman University and Traveler's Rest, and then back down home into the city was last weekend. I had pacing duties, as I have done for the past few years, with the 320 Marathon Group. After the Gerald Mock interview, Benji decided, I'm going to jump in and pace with you. So we got you a bib, got you on board. The day before, there was some talk of maybe you're just going to, instead of bowing out at the halfway point, just let this thing ride and give me all of your heart for 26.2 miles. There was a discussion at the expo via telephone in which it seemed like you were backing off and just going to do the half. 
And I asserted a challenge. I said, <laughs> let's do it, baby. Give me 26.2. And you decided to go for it. So we set out super dark. We had flashlights and oh, it headlamps. Was so cool. <laughs> and, I loved it. Uh, and it was fun heading up the trail in the dark. And we got through halfway right on our pacing target. You looked good. You seemed comfortable at that point. We had parked your car up that way, so I drove it back down to the finish to make sure that you didn't have to run another 13 miles back up to Traveler's Rest to get home. Walk the listeners through the second half of the race, your experience, how you felt, fueling, all those kind of things, bud. Yeah, we hit halfway, just a shade under 142. Mm -hmm. And after that, the next pacer uh, jumped in for the 320 group, a guy named Matt. It was myself and the woman who was running as the second female at that point in the race. Catherine. Catherine. Our friend. Uh, We stayed with his group for like a mile, and it started to get hilly, and it got a little too coachy in the group for the two of us, so we started to pull away. Fun fact, while I was running in the group during the 14th mile... I tried to run under a tree limb, and I nailed my head on the tree limb, and it took my hat off. So I had to turn around and run back and get my hat. For people unaware, Benjamin is nearly seven feet tall. Yes. So around mile 14 and a half, we passed these two bikes on the side of the road, and I pointed at them and told Catherine that was our getaway. She laughed, and then we started going downhill, and we just dropped the group. Okay, so put in a little surge there, because the second half of this is coming mostly back downhill. Yes, and at that point, it was just the two of us. We had dropped the group by a lot. There was no one that we could see ahead of us. Yeah. Um, And I was terrified that I was going to feel good and just shoot off and then blow up and stuff. Too early. Right. So I was like, I'm just staying with her until at least mile 20. I am staying with her. She had great pace. She was like she's a, a metronome. Man. <laughs> she was locked on my hip that entire first half, and finally I talked to her. Actual conversation, other than just <laughs> some check-ins on time and stuff around mile ten, and she seemed comfortable. And I told her, yeah, "You're ready to to hammer this." And she said she had run at that pace a couple times before, and it was super comfortable. So I like that you two worked together because she was under control and. You probably needed that just given your enthusiasm that you had yes. that morning. I would have started running six flats in the middle of it and just died. <laughs> yeah. But we ran together for 22 miles. And right at the 22-mile marker, we could see the lead woman. Yeah. And uh, she was struggling. She was walking at that point. And uh, Catherine said something like, oh, yeah, I got her. And she goes, whatever that's worth, (laughs) which I thought was funny because it is just the Greenville downtown marathon. Yep. So we ended up catching her and I got some nice momentum from that. And so I was like, this is the point I go. So we took off. We were in like 13th place at that point when we ended up finishing seventh and eighth. And she was the top woman. She was the top woman. A good friend of the show, Hey Good Grantham, met me right before the 25 mile marker. Yeah. And this is when I started to struggle. Like, I lost a little bit of vision, and I guess it was just I hadn't trained to run a marathon. Everything started hurting, and I was weak. That's an understatement, yes. I mean, you, while you had some good workouts over the summer, it was spotty, I think we could say, in the fall. So, yeah, that's that proverbial wall. Now, for the listeners to understand that 
been, if trained, this pace was probably very comfortable for you. So it was more just... And the, it was for it, 24 miles. Yeah, it was just the distance, right? It <laughs> yes. was the decay of the body. Haygood actually sent me a text after I got back from pacing, and he asked, is, is Ben running this whole thing? Uh, yeah, bring him in, baby. So he went out on the trail to meet you. <laughs> uh, cool. So take us through the, the home stretch. Yeah, so the last mile is completely uphill to the baseball stadium. Yeah. I was basically crawling. I was running like 750 pace, where the mile before was probably like 620. But Haygood was cheering me on, and he's like, let's kick, let's get people. He's like, no, we're, we're, <laughs> we're kicking. We've been kicking for two miles now. We're good. Um, we round the corner to like enter the baseball stadium, and I gag a few times in front of fans, and I can see them move because they think I'm going to puke on them. It was a throng of thousands of fans, too, waiting at the stadium for you. Yeah, the man. entire city had gathered. My face was on t-shirts, there were babies to kiss, and I couldn't do that if there was vomit pouring out of my mouth hole. So what happened was I entered the baseball field, blue chunks everywhere. Beautiful. At this point, Catherine passes me. As she should. Yeah. Monster looking strong. And I just think to myself... All the guys at the running group are going to give me such crap if I finish three seconds behind the lead female. Not to bash women's running or anything like that. Just guys are guys and they're jerks. So I kicked as hard as I could. Benji's got another gear. First base to home plate. Like nipped her at the line and ran 314 which was a 21 minute marathon pr for me <laughs> <laughs> your your marathon career is interesting it, yeah that was well said i would say that's my first real marathon yeah since the other two were on trail and then up a mountain yeah and we've yet to see your first real marathon where you actually train and yeah. see what you can do and i think we will see that someday and we'll see even longer distances someday but i was really proud of you i think that interview with gerald which was so much fun and if you haven't listened to mile 42 go back and listen to it because gerald was fantastic and there's actually been a storyline in the running media this week about who will be the gerald mock of new york right the guy who kind of comes out of nowhere and has a huge race you were maybe the, the, the Gerald Mock of the Sphinx Run Fest, but I know I talking know. to him got you energized and maybe was a little kick in the pants that you needed to, to get it going. So I was really proud of you for running the whole thing, man. Thank you. It, that was very cool. That interview definitely got me excited. And as much as I would love to be called the Gerald of Sphinx, I feel that title has to go to Here our boy, Dan Cosmo. Harper. Cosmo, baby. In his Giddy debut up. marathon, wins the Sphinx Marathon. A huge day for the Seconds Flat Athletic Club. Our friend Cosmo, who has, over the course of the fall, just gradually chipped away at what his goal would be for this race, ends up taking the victory by a huge amount in his first marathon ever. Didn't know what he was getting into. But he surged to a victory. Cosmo, congrats to you, my friend. Looking good in those finish line picks, too. Talk about kissing babies. He had a picture with his young family looking fantastic. He fills out a singlet, I think, is a fair assessment we of his chisel body. We need to get him a medium. Yeah, well, he went schmedium. And <laughs> there was some question. I heard rumblings in the Greenville running community. Did he flex his pecs for 26 miles? And if he would just relax, how fast could he be? 
Didn't he stop and do push-ups at every water sign? <laughs> there was some some talk of, I think he was um, maybe doing burpees in sets of 100 every 5K. Okay. An inspiration to all of us. So, Cosmo, great work, buddy. And before we wrap up on Cosmo, yeah. I just want to give a shout-out to him about his character. Um, I came in 30 minutes after him. He was standing where all the marathoners were entering the baseball field and mm. was cheering on all the runners. And that's just really cool. Yeah, it's it's one of the things I, I talked to him about in the week leading up to it and the advice we've given on here and that I give to my athletes before a long race is race it with thankfulness and gratitude. Mm. And it will mean so much more to you. And you know what? you might just run it better than you ever imagined because of the both psychological and physical impacts that has on your performance. Good wrap up from last week's action. Right now at New York, the men are closing in on mile 19. Jared Ward is right in this lead pack. Uh, Jeffrey Camor has moved to the front. Jared Ward came through only one second off at the 30K mat, so that's 18.6 right alongside Shura Katata. So two of the favorites in Cam War and Katata still right in that group. Uh, Brett Robinson, who led when we came on, is still right there. He's only two seconds back. This is a group of about 10 guys right now, so a bunch of people are in the mix. We'll see who has the kick. My first instinct is Cam War, given his half marathon bona fides. Katata did say, though, that he wants the New York City course record, so we'll see what he has down the stretch. The women are nearing the finish. This is a two woman race right now. After mile 22, they're right about mile 23 checkpoint. It's Jocelyn Jepkoska. Uh, from Kenya, along with Mary Katani. They are alone out front. Uh, Des Linden in fourth place. She's two minutes back, but she's in fourth place right now as the top American. Kellen Taylor from the Hoka Nazalite team is also in the top 10. Des Linden, let's check the time prediction here. She is potentially looking at an American course record Oh wow! in New York if she hangs on to this. I believe it's in the 225 range, which is right where she's tracking at this moment. That would be a really neat storyline from Des Linden, For sure. uh, who always runs well in a, a tough course like New York. So we'll check back in with that if anything super exciting happens. We'll break in to the coverage Right now on the commercials, you just saw that, didn't you? <laughs> the Rod Dixon. Rod Dixon, the animal, Scooter Dixon. They're showing highlights from previous New Yorks. We've mentioned it before, but there is nothing quite like that finish at New York City 1983 when Rod Dixon, looking like he had been shot in the hamstring, comes back from the dead for the victory, storms through the line, falls to his knees, and the post-race interview said Rod Dixon just had to run Rod Dixon's race. <laughs> and that's, that's what he did. Uh, as he says, the Miler's trick, excuse me, as he says, the Miler's kick will do the trick. And it certainly did down the stretch that year. And Shalane Flanagan, let's mention her because they just showed her who has formally announced her retirement. She is broadcasting the race now. She was your 2017 champ. She broke that long string without an American woman winning at New York. 
It takes one of the contenders out of the Olympic trials in a few months right. at Atlanta. We never really knew if she'd be there, but we both thought if she showed up, she'd be in the mix, right? So some different names, uh, certainly on our Olympic team for Tokyo 2020. And that's another subplot where the marathon may not be in Tokyo now. The heat and humidity in Tokyo has led to concerns about, do we start this thing in the middle of the night? I think after the world champs in Doha, the way that went and some of the complaints from the athletes, the current plan is to move the marathon to Northern Japan but local officials in Tokyo are not happy about that. No, they're tempted to sue yes, the they IOC have, about this. They have come up with plans for, I think, a 3 a.m. start on a lighted course that they could water down. And they think there's going to be a huge monetary cost to moving this marathon. We'll see how it plays out. But before our eyes right now, we might not have a new queen of New York City because that was a Big surge at the two-hour and five-minute mark. Oh, man. Katani is broken. Mary Katani looks like she just got dropped by Jocelyn Jepkoske. So we'll see here. They are between 23 and 24. And Jocelyn is jacked, taking a note out of Dan Harper's playbook. I do think that if you go to the Kane Halter Y here in Greenville... (laughs) Uh, that may be Cosmo spotting Jocelyn on the bench press. Those are two strong runners. She looks fantastic right yeah. now. So we'll see if Katani can react to that move. And the men are about a half hour or so away from the finish. So let's break away from that for a moment and get to our main topic. How do I respond to a disappointing race? This email came from Chris, friend of the show, who in a marathon last week just didn't have the performance he hoped for. I will briefly mention my most disappointing race. Mm. If you want to do the same, you're welcome to. I'm going to go back two years to a marathon where I thought I was really, really fit. I thought this would be my breakthrough. And I got sick for really a couple weeks leading up. And I thought it was allergies and and a cold and I just couldn't figure it all out and allergies were a part of it but not until after the marathon did I actually go see a medical professional who told me you moron you just ran a marathon with bronchitis and I got to about 18 or 19 and couldn't take any nutrition I couldn't digest any food and it just it just hit me I, I had to pretty much just slow to a crawl and then jog it in from there and it was crazy disappointing in some ways looking back I was it was silly to try to run under those conditions I am proud that I finished it but it was a big disappointment and I had to figure out what was next for me what about you Ben yeah mine was probably a 3k indoor race Um, during my fifth year of college I went into it with the most consistent training I'd ever had, best workouts, highest mileage, and I actually ran a personal best in the race Mm. by one second, but I had these expectations for what it was going to be, and it was such a good field that I even almost got lapped in the race. Mm. It was really like, I was just so disappointed in it, and that's kind of the runner's conundrum, is that we can be disappointed with our best, too, Mm -hmm. and that makes this question even more interesting. Yeah, 
No, I have always followed the approach that uh, comes from one of my favorite current athletes, a guy who essentially, I, I guess, kind of stepped out of retirement here recently to win the Victoria Marathon in British Columbia, Eric Finan. Uh, fellow Ohioan, sub-four marathoner, and I think he's going to make an appearance at the Olympic trials here in Atlanta. And he has always spoken of you can't be disappointed with a PR. You have to put that in perspective. And, and I've tried to live that as well, but you're right. Sometimes you run your best and everyone else just runs so much better. You start to question it in a totally different way. Yes, That's a big challenge too. Here's my initial response. This is my bottom line anytime something in running goes wrong. It's really simple to me. There's a refusal to quit, and there is a personal statement that I am going to meet this challenge. Hmm. The response to a setback, or if people might call it quote-unquote failure, determines our long-term trajectory as athletes and probably more so as people. There are no failures in distance running. In the long term, there are only successes and learning experiences. Yes. That outlook is at the core of what I take from a disappointing race. So we'll we'll shift the, the question just a bit here and say, then how do we meet that challenge? What, what are the, the next steps in the process? So we're going to synthesize here a little bit of some topics we've put together in previous episodes, as well as some new advice for you. So after we decide to meet the challenge, what are we going to do? One, recover. That is for freshening both the mind and the body. You have to take a break. In most cases, not everybody, it's not universal, but in most cases, if you walk off the course disappointed and say, you know what, I'm going to go prove myself I'm better than that. I'm going to get right back on the horse. That typically doesn't yield the best result. Right. Taking a step back tends to be more valuable. And by contrast, you can take too much of a step back. I have seen so many teammates and friends have a bad race and just be like, screw it. You know what? I I don't care. They don't cool down. They don't do any maintenance for their body following this race. They get injured. They get out of shape just because they are throwing a temper tantrum, a little pity party for themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there is a healthy way to step back in an unhealthy way. Nobody's going to do this work for you going forward. Stepping back into a woe is me approach and just feeling bad about everything that happened that's not going to help you get better, right? You have to be accountable to yourself and make the decisions to move yourself along a path toward more success the next time out. And that recovery segment allows you to break through for new improvements in the future, right? If you you do it right and you take the time off, but again, you don't just wallow in the misery forever. it's, It's like... The rest, it's the sleep and the easy days after a hard workout. Those are what allow you to take the adaptation from the hard workout. The hard workout itself doesn't make you a better runner. It breaks your body down. 
It's allowing for the adaptations in the, in the following days that help you get better as a runner. The break after a race does the same thing on a larger scale. And I think particularly does it from the mental perspective. Let's step away and regroup. So to me, that leads to my second big point. This needs to be a time of reflection. If you don't go back and reflect on your race, your buildup, your nutrition, your sleep, all those things, you're selling yourself short in your ability to bounce back and do it better next time. Yes. So my very first thing I'm going to do is look at my training log. If I don't have a training log, the second thing I'm going to do is go buy or make a training <laughs> log. That's right. Is start a training log. Ben and I are both accountable to our running in this way. So we're both on Strava. We're easy to follow. If you want to follow us, super. You can see what we do. There's nothing glamorous there. For you, for a month, there was nothing there. <laughs> but um, I like that aspect from, from two points. One, it lets me check in on my athletes I'm coaching and just be with them every day, even if they're not here locally with me. But I do like to lay it out in a calendar format that's easy to do on Strava if you actually, especially on the desktop version of that rather than on your phone. And you can kind of lay it out in a calendar and see what you did over time and scroll over. And that's really nice. But I'm going to handwrite everything in my notebook, right, in my training log where I can go back to it and check in. And so as I look at that log, I want to ask myself some questions. What trends do I find? Was I consistently tired? Was there sickness? Was there life stress? Is there inconsistent training? Is there overtraining? You need to be honest with yourself in assessing all of those elements. Benji, I can see it in your face. You want to jump in right now because there's some excitement happening in New York. So take it away for a minute, bud. We were talking about the Gerald Mock of New York. Yeah, we found him. Currently in 14th place at mile 21 is Connor McMillan, who just graduated from BYU. He is on 2.11 pace. 2.11. You said this is his first marathon since he was 20 years old. And fun fact, his 10K PR of 28.07 was in the same race that Gerald ran 28.11, which is his PR. So right now it's narrowed down to a group of five in that front pack, which still includes some of the, the heavy hitters, Jeffrey Camor, Tamarat Tola, Shura Katata. They are through 35K now. So they are nearing Central Park. Jared Ward is next. He leads the second group. So he's in sixth overall. That second group is less than 10 seconds back. Abdi Abdi Rahman is in that group. Oh man, he's forty-two years he, old. He doesn't age. He has no age. He the is, black cactus. He is in the top ten, and so actually, just updated through twenty-two miles. It's still that group of five. How Ward, large is that second group? The first group is five. That second group actually has slowed off a little bit, so they faded from the first group. Now it's about a twenty-second gap. But it looks like we have another five or so guys in that second group. The women's race through 25 miles is Jocelyn's to lose right now. She's 30 seconds up. 
and Kellen Taylor is closing in on Des Linden for top American honors. Just going to say, Des Linden is now back to sixth. Kellen Taylor has moved up to seventh through 25 miles. I don't think we're on American course record pace anymore. Yeah, we're a little bit slow off of it. We're about a minute off of it now. This is exciting to me. Sinead Diver, the Australian, has moved up into fifth. And she just snuck ahead of Des Linden, so that's a pretty exciting performance for her. Where's Sarah Hall? Sarah Hall was back in like 12th or 13th. Okay. Uh, she is, well, she slid back to fourth American now. I did see in a pre race interview with her husband, Ryan, who's also coaching her now, that the goal here was really not to hit a home run. She ran so well in Berlin. That 222 makes her one of the top contenders among Americans at the trials. They just wanted to have a successful race on a challenging course. Mm. And then they thought they could blend together the experiences of a fast race in Berlin and a good race over some hills in New York to be successful in Atlanta, where it's definitely going to be hilly. So that's a, I mean, five-week turnaround, I think. Yeah. According to the leaderboard, Sarah Hall is no longer in the top 20. Yeah, so she must be fading now because I believe yeah. Roberta Groner, who also just came back yeah. off of... She's doubling back off, I think, four weeks ago, that was, at Doha. She had a great performance at Doha. Uh, so for the the Masters champ in this race might be uh, America's Roberta Groner. So... We'll come back to this in a little bit because the men look like you got a group of about four who are duking it out for a victory. Let's go back to our discussion of responding to a disappointing race. So we talked about recovering, taking a break, a time of reflection, and then the next step is planning. Once I find some flaws in my reflection on the race, I need to plot out how I'm going to fix those. I would do that first by asking myself, what do I value? We need to understand the balance in your life. What else is significant to you? How valuable is running and bouncing back from this bad race on a way bigger scale of all the other responsibilities that you have in your life? So incorporate the changes accordingly. Do I need to maybe run less and sleep more? Mm. While generally you got to run more to get better at running, sometimes more sleep could be more valuable than more running. Do I need easier, easy days? Do I need more long runs? Was I lacking in long runs um, or consistency of long runs? That could be a, a big one. So see what you need to incorporate. And then I would next step take it through a goal-setting process within that planning. So, Ben, I'll just ask you, based on like the last-minute decision to run that marathon, Yes. what were the goals going in that morning? As the, This was kind of seat-of-your-pants thing, but I, I know you well enough to assume that you had told yourself mentally what the targets were for that day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my number one goal was I wanted to be on top of my fueling. In both marathon experiences I've had, I have hit horrible points of energy depletion, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wanted to be really on top of taking water, Gatorade at every table, 
hitting my goose at the appropriate time and then just staying patient. Uh, coming from a, a track background, I get very antsy and I kind of pop up and down when I'm running slow and I needed to focus on shortening my stride, not pushing off of the ground so much and almost getting that marathon shuffle down. Yeah, more about turnover than creating vertical oscillation. Yeah, just putting all my energy straight into the ground. Yeah, okay. Um, so those are my like two main goals is just like hitting my X's and O's and whatever was going to happen was going to be because I set myself up the best I could during the race to do it. Okay. Uh, and did you allow yourself to consider any goals about do I just I need to finish given your build up? Yeah. And whether were there any thoughts about time? Sure. So even at the start of the race, I wasn't 100% I was going to finish it. Mm-hmm. I was going to listen to my body, and at halfway, as long as there was no muscle that was tight, I was going to keep going. And luckily, I felt really good. And then at that point is when I began to worry about time. Okay. Um, about mile 16 is when I made the decision in my head, like, I feel good. I feel comfortable if I'm going to risk it and try to run under 320. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think the pacing group helped you from the aspect of keeping you loose yeah there was some good conversation we were on a pace that was easy for you to handle that would be very much like what you would just go out and run an easy day and uh, as to the fueling that you talked about what did you end up going with What, what did you use during the race yeah so i took a total of four gels out with me two were the morton 100 caffeine Mm-hmm. gels and then I took two lemon huma gels yeah and so at 10k I took a caffeinated gel um this was because I this was like three hours before I normally wake up so I wanted to wake up <laughs> yeah but I told you on the trail I could instantly feel it when yeah. I took it it was awesome um then I took another one or took a huma gel at mile 10 and a half and then at mile 16, I took my second Huma gel. And then at mile 21, I took the last caffeine gel to try and give myself a little like boost of nitrous. <laughs> <laughs> but it worked out really well. Uh, my only mistake with the fueling is I actually didn't take Gatorade till the last water stop. And I think because I did that and I w- had the gels mixed around in my stomach and I was so depleted, that's what made me throw up. Because it was so sugary and my stomach wasn't used to it, it kind of freaked out and wanted to get it out. That makes a ton of sense. The Gatorade, what you get from Gatorade versus that amount of sugar and, and how it's sloshing around in your stomach late, it can be difficult for some some people to handle. Before I chime in on the goal setting, we'll say that we just saw the finish in the women. Des Linden squeaks it out over Kellen Taylor for top American. I think it was a three-second difference between those two women in the women's race, which Jocelyn uh, Jepkoski won in a time of 2.22.38. Wow. My opinion on goal setting here fits a lot of what you just mentioned. It needs to be specific. It needs to be tangible. It needs to be realistic. I would also share and discuss that with others because sometimes someone on the outside, if you have a coach, that coach could be very helpful in guiding you towards what your goals could be. 
With that said, for my athletes, my number one goal always becomes how can I help you reach your number one goal? Right. But maybe I have a, a an opinion from stepping back from the performance that's a little easier to find a realistic next goal. Also, after you determine those goals for the long term, I would keep those visible somewhere. Mm. I know when I have a big race coming up, I like to, like every time Boston comes around, you'll get that little package in the mail and it'll say, there's a little card in it that says Patriots Day, whatever year, and I'll stick that on the fridge and I'll write on there what some of my goals are from now till that race. So that visibility is motivation. And then when it comes to the actual race, as we get closer to race day, I like to have both an A and a B goal for my pace. In your case, that the B goal would be that safe one of just making sure I finish. Yes. So I want to have a B goal of this is the thing that if I don't achieve, I will be a little disappointed in this race. And then an A goal of if everything goes right, this is my target. If the weather's right and I feel good, I'm shooting for this one. And in shooting for that, I know I may take the risk of failing on the B goal, on the safe one, but it's worth that pursuit. It is the Teddy Roosevelt man in the arena to me. Mm. The person who is in the fight, who pushes, and if he fails, he does so daring greatly. I would rather be that person, not as, as Roosevelt says, it's not the critic who counts, not the man who didn't run the race, but the one who's actually in the challenge. And then uh, the last thing I'd look at in my planning is, do I need to train for a different distance? I am not telling you, don't run any more marathons. This is not for you. You failed. It's no good. I am asking the question of, does my training need to target a different distance? Is there something lacking that I may only improve if I train for something else? Yes. I am very aware right now that my biggest weakness is speed-oriented, and I'm trying to make a shift towards some stuff in training for my next marathon that's slightly faster than what I would typically do. And maybe a 5K or 10K training block could be helpful for you long-term in getting back in the saddle and reaching your next goal. Before we get to our last point here. Oh, buddy. Jeffrey came war. He just busted it. (laughs) Mommy, mommy. Uh, I think that the half marathon world record holder has decided to begin racing in New York because he is putting on a show down the stretch with pretty much just a hammer in Central Park. The guys behind him look like they're just holding on for dear life right now, and he is exploding toward the finish. He's through 40K and 158. That's 
that last mile, or excuse me, that last split was at 440. So he's really wow. dialing it in now. And he, he didn't start moving till halfway through that mile. He did that late. And if you look at these these splits for him, it was a ton of five minute and high 450 stuff early. The race began at 35k. He's got some upper 430s to 440 splits here that have brought his average down to 455 per mile on a 208 pace. Could you give me a Connor McMillan update? Yeah, I can give you a Connor McMillan update, my friend. He is still your third American. Uh, Right now, Jared Ward is on 210.30 pace through 24. He's still your top American. Connor McMillan is through 40K at 201. The dream's still alive. He's on 212 pace, so it's faded just a touch. His coach did say prior he thought he was in 213 shape. I did read that. Ed Eystone said that he thought he was in 213 shape. Jared Ward is still sixth overall. Interesting storyline here is Shura Katata has really faded off the first group and so Ward is within striking distance of the top five and we'll see how the rest of these guys who don't look so hot after Jeffrey Cam Ward just broke loose in the final miles so we'll see how they hold on we'll come back and get the final results on that we're going to go to our last piece in responding to a disappointing race And that would be skill incorporation. Maybe there is a fundamental skill missing from your training that is a necessity toward improving in the next race. It could be simple stuff. It could be balance. It could be coordination. A lot of people come to running because they weren't great at other sports. Becoming a better, more well-rounded athlete could be incredibly valuable to you. So maybe there's some drills you need to do. Maybe you need to work on your footwork and just quicker feet. Um, Maybe it's strides for better turnover. Short hill sprints for more power at your hip flexors. Maybe you need to do some work in the weight room. I think those are skills that get left out because... We are so focused on running and we're we're trying to value our time accordingly. But as you and I have said in the past, sometimes the 1% stuff is what makes the difference. It's It separates you and moves you to the next level. Yes, running is the most significant, most important thing. But what are the other techniques, the little touches, like incorporating more skill into your running and so in general i would say thinking about becoming a better athlete and thinking about ways to help with your running form Mm. in the long term those are significant factors because over the course of a marathon with the the decay you see and just the pounding on your body that may be something you call on late in a race that allows you to hold on and not just hold on but thrive because you're so much more efficient ben anything else you would add on that maybe gets away from our framework of these steps here to just any other general advice i would just be aware of isolation 
find yourself in a community, surround yourself with people who know you as a person, but know you as an athlete as well. Go to them, ask them. If you don't know what happened, ask them questions, ask them to look at things. And not everything that you're going to say is going to be correct, but just having new eyes and a different perspective and being surrounded by someone who values you as a person and not a performance is so big and getting past a bad race. That's wise. I will leave that there because that is not going to be better said. Thank you. <laughs> As we close up shop here, it is mile 26 plus at New York for the men. They're in Central Park. We are wrapping this up right at the finish line. Jeffrey Camor is going to be your champion, so not a bad fall for the big cat as he goes world record in the half marathon and now will win at New York City. Uh, Albert Career is currently in second. And for the men, it looks like it'll be Jared Ward, followed by Abdi Abdi Rahman and Connor McMillan as your top three Americans. And in his return to marathoning, Zap Fitness's Tyler Pennell. Yeah. is going to be the fourth American. He is the guy who pressed the pace at the trials in 2016 in L.A. and fell just short of making the Olympic team. He was a U.S. marathon champion in 2013 in, in Twin Cities. Yes, He was also a top finisher at Boston in the rain and cold and wind in 2018. So nice return for Tyler. Congratulations to him. For Jeffrey Kamor, it's going to be 208 13 as his official finishing time. Benji, anything else before we sign off? Yeah, I've got two shout-outs coming from the Greenville County Championship. Uh-oh. Ethan, our boy, E. Gaines. You guys see him at the store. You love him. Nate Gaines. He and his Wade Hampton Generals took home the team title. Very nice. Um, And also shout-out to the race winner, Micah Gilpatrick, running his first Greenville County Championships, breaks the meet record, and runs 15-20. And we would be remiss if we left out that you're... My seed... There it is. No, not true. My younger brother, John, actually broke 18 minutes in the 5K for the first time yesterday, running 17.46. There is something in the water at the Sessions household. Good for Johnny. It's lead. It's a family (laughs) tradition. This has been mile 42.2 of the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you have questions, thoughts, topics for a future podcast, secondsflatpodcast at gmail.com. We loved this idea of how do I respond to a disappointing race and hope to hear from other listeners with ideas that could help them in their running. Again, at... New York City today, it is Jeffrey K. Moore as your men's champion right before our eyes. Albert Career in second, so the Kenyans go 1-2. It's Ethiopians 3-4-5. and five. Jared Ward then is your first American in sixth place. Jocelyn Jepkoske has her first New York City championship in 2-22-38, followed by Mary Katani, the multiple-time champion. Top Americans are Des Linden in 6th and Kellen Taylor in 7th. That's all for this time. We will see you next week on the Seconds Flat program. Have a great week.